0: Welcome to the Freed Media Podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Heil, founding member of the Freed Fellowship and Freed Media. This is a podcast dedicated to bridging the gap between wantrepreneur and entrepreneur. In this episode, you'll hear one Freed story from someone who made the jump from the corporate world to the vast unknown of entrepreneurship. We at Freed Media know that the road to entrepreneurship can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. We hope that in sharing Freed stories, that you will gain some tangible tips on how to get freed yourself. It's our mission to provide support and community for those working their five to nine side hustles and jotting down their someday business plan. We're navigating the journey ourselves, and we'd love to take you along with us. Ready to get freed? Hello, everyone. We are back again with another fellow and their freed story. Today, I'm joined by Zach Moldoff. Co-founder and owner of Skatebud. Hi, Zach.
1: Hey, how's it going, Jackie?
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm excited to dive into your journey. Could you let us uh, know a little bit about your current job and what the business is?
1: Yeah, Skatebud is a marketplace and community for skateboarders. Right now, the majority of our business has to do with getting contracts with municipal governments and pro skaters and giving them... The pro skaters basically a way to get paid for their services, giving government a solid way to create outreach for... A lot of times it's for disenfranchised youth, but sometimes it's just like solid programming for young kids. So it uh, kind of runs the gamut. And we also have a free video game and a book.
0: Oh, awesome. You're hitting all the spots. Yeah. Um, how new is this venture and how did this vision come about?
1: I guess Skatebud is formally about a year old. It evolved from Stoke Much, which was a skateboard magazine and marketing agency that we started in 2018. So it's kind of like one continuous thing, but it's basically about four years old, and its current uh, iteration is a year old.
0: And how did the idea kind of? What was the first initial idea that sparked into your mind to start
1: this? Well. I had been working in music and cannabis and technology and doing a lot of different kind of freelancing stuff around journalism and branding and marketing and my wife Tiffany was working primarily in fashion and then had transitioned over and was doing kind of more marketing and branding stuff and we were both pretty burnt out and wanted to be able to create our own business and we wanted to have a baby and we felt like it would be best to be self-employed to be parents, and we took some time and and looked at skateboarding, which we both had grown up doing, but hadn't really been like deeply connected to the culture or the industry for a long time. Uh, neither of us ever worked in skateboarding, but you know we both used to keep up with what was going on. But anyways, uh, we looked at it and we were like, wow, there's like a tremendous need for skateboard journalism. Like Thrasher is a great magazine, but you know it doesn't necessarily hit all the marks for what. Uh, magazine reader might look for who's not a skateboarder. So we started that. And then it was also an opportunity for us to take whatever connections we had and try to monetize them and turn them into business by saying like, oh, we we work with these pro skaters and they have a large reputation and we can create marketing campaigns.
0: That's amazing. That's kind of great segue into our next question. When you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? And what were you like? And how did that grow into what you do today? What did the skateboard culture kind of mean to you throughout the years?
1: Yeah, I think for both Tiffany and I, skateboard culture was like, it was really a way to feel accepted and and not just feel accepted, but have something to participate in and, and be accepted by people who weren't like from our family or on our block, you know, like this way of being able to grow beyond a kind of adolescent identity into a more juvenile or young adult identity of navigating society. For myself, the first career I ever wanted was to be an archaeologist because I was really mm-hmm. into dinosaurs when I was a, a kid. <laughs> and I think after that, the first time I ever thought about like, oh, a career and a job and what do I want to do? I, I wanted to work in advertising. I only lasted like one or two semesters in college. <laughs> I, I got in trouble in like the big... uh the big survey class where there's like 400 people and the teacher like knew my name and started calling me out in class for comments I would make and stuff while his back was turned to the class. And I was just like, ah, like this isn't for me. You can't Um, have your
0: being known in a 400 person class. That's never good.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I think it was like, that was what was interesting about advertising. Right. It's like not just uh, having a a good idea, but like having good presentation and like, being able to stand out and stick out without like, you know, like everyone in the class was not everyone, but a lot of people in the class were laughing, you know, like Good. I wound up making a lot of friends in that class. And, you know, to me, that's like, okay, like that's how advertising basically works. But I think thinking about it at a deeper perspective, it just, uh, there wasn't as much to it as, as I wanted it to be. Right.
0: Right. You tried. That's awesome. Though. Yeah. And so growing into this, actually growing your dream into an actual business what has been your biggest failure along the way, and what did you learn from
1: it? Mm. I mean, I've definitely had a lot of failures. Yeah, I the first business I had was a cannabis business. Tiffany hadn't had her own business before we met. She like made creative stuff, and her family owned a garment manufacturing oh, awesome. factory here in Los Angeles. Um, she's a fifth generation Chicana Angelina. Oh wow! And you know her. Her parents were employing first generation immigrants and paying them fair wages. And she saw them run this business that went out of business by doing the right thing, right? Mm. Like saying, like, we're going to hire people like us and we're going to pay them a good wage. And it just became unmanageable as the economy shifted over time. So it's not like, you know, having a business was foreign to her. But I think for me, it started oh, in 2010. I tried to start a cannabis delivery service. Wow. In I was in North Oakland and Berkeley.
0: Perfect place for
1: that. Yeah. (laughs) I sold weed when I was like 18. And that was like a way for me to get the money that I needed in Florida. It was hard to get jobs and like jobs that you could get as a kid. They don't pay a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. just because you're young doesn't mean you don't necessarily have financial responsibilities uh, that exceed like what people think young people should have. Mm -hmm. So I think to me like getting into the cannabis industry made sense because i was like well if i move to california it won't be illegal like mm-hmm. for me to do this and like i'm at a point where i can't just like do this to have like a couple extra 100 dollars a month to cover whatever i need it's like i'm trying to start a business and like grow and take care of my future and so i said like okay i'll move to california and start this cannabis business and i had filed my last piece of paperwork with the city of berkeley and i was riding back to um I was homeless at the time, like living out of this art studio thing. It was like a 10 by eight with a wow. sink in it. Um, and I got hit by a car and Please. I was planning to run this business, like using a bicycle. I didn't, you know, I didn't have access to a car and I didn't have yeah. means to do it beyond doing it on a bike. And then that was it, you know, like running the cannabis business was out of the question. And I had been in music for so long that I just like kind of diverted more of my energy over to music. And then I had a record label and then like a distribution company. And I think it's just been like endless failure, right? Quote, quote, unquote, um, like (laughs) experience. uh, Yeah. Like I, you know, like I've been like such a socially dejected individual or like a a dehumanized person because Mm -hmm. of my circumstances, I guess, at least from the outside, right? Like, Oh, homeless, arrested, like drug dealer, all these things. And to me, th- those have all been just part of this process and what I've had to do to like not compromise my values and be able to make money and like just sorting out all these questions that come with uh, being employed. And I think if I had to try and isolate like one thing, it's it's hard. But yeah, I think the biggest failure is definitely like the the cannabis business, you know, and like getting hit by a, like filing that last piece of paperwork. I don't really even have a place to live. I'm living out of this like box, you know, like I have no health insurance. I have nothing. I'm like selling as little weed as I can to have money to eat so that I'm not like engaging in wild criminal activity. Like I'm on food stamps. I get hit by this car and now it's like all this work that I've put into creating this legal business is gone. Like I have no hope of doing anything. And yeah, that was that was hard. It took like years to dig out of that hole, I think psychologically and like just circumstantially, you know.
0: Would you fondly believe that you wouldn't be where you are today without that moment, that part of your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be here, right? Like, I have, I like the bad, the flip side of that is like uh, the the circumstances of my childhood and where I come from. It's like it's not normal, you know. Like, my father's a criminal defense attorney in South Florida in the eighties. Like Scarface is this movie that I see when I'm fifteen, and then I'm like, ah, oh, like what, like this. This is a movie to people <laughs> like, the, you know, like the cocaine cowboys, like mm-hmm. we got put under police protection from Griselda Blanco's main assassin because my dad represented her main assassin, Jorge Ayala, and wow. she was just going to kill our whole family. You know, so I think for me, like on the flip side, on the backside of like starting a business and what does that mean? And what are the demands and what does it do to your life? And what does it cause you to realize about yourself? I think there was a lot of things that I just hadn't really thought about about myself. So I was just like, Oh, okay. Like everyone kind of goes through stuff like this, you exactly. know? And it's like, uh, everyone goes through stuff, but maybe not like, like that. Right. Like, maybe not that <laughs> extreme, buddy.
0: No, you have some, I'm sorry. You have some amazing experience and some amazing stories, but it's amazing to see where you are now compared to everything. So looking back, of course, cause hindsight's always twenty twenty. what are two pieces of advice or tricks for someone who was beginning on the same path as you, What would you tell them?
1: Yeah. Okay. So one is like first, like a camera can open almost any door, right? Like if you're trying to start a business, you have to think of yourself, right? Uh, Like it's man. And to think that like I was doing this shit like 10 years ago and what it was able to accomplish, like, Mm -hmm. and now it's even more. If you have a camera and you're able to shoot good photos of people, you're always of value anywhere. So that will open doors and allow you to be like, More than a consumer, you can be a participant in whatever culture it is that you want to start your business. And I don't say this as a suggestion to someone who doesn't have a kind of background in like doing and and creating things to begin with, right? Like, if it's uncomfortable for you to go out in the world with a camera and like put yourself out there in the world with a camera, like, it's like this advice won't help you. But like, you know, if you are at all creatively inclined, at all like uh, entrepreneurially inclined before you're starting a business, like going into this. Like, take a camera and just find the culture that supports the business that you want to create and say like, how do I go out and start just shooting photos for people who are involved in this culture that I want my business to be rooted in? Mm-hmm. And the second one would be like, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you got to be good at writing or else you're always going to be relying on other people to write for you. Right? right? And like that's... it's gonna A, it's going to cost you money. B, it's going to take so much time. C, it's not going to give you what you want. Mm-hmm. So... Be good at writing. And the the easiest and most direct way to do that is don't think about writing something to explain it. Think about writing something to make it impossible to misunderstand. Mm. Right? Because it's always easy to read something and go back and be like, yeah, like that's good. It makes sense. There's always you're, that you're...
0: saying, like, talk to me like I'm five.
1: Yeah, but and and then some even, right? Like you have to really be able to go back and like edit your stuff mm. and reread your stuff and think objectively like. If someone read this and they didn't know anything and like they were... Is there anything that could be misunderstood here? Mm -hmm. Like, could I word this in a way that it won't be misunderstood? And that always just leads you to having a more clear explanation of what you're doing. And that like as an entrepreneur, that always helps you. There's no situation where that doesn't help you.
0: I completely agree. And going back to photos and always taking a camera, what platform do you kind of look to for that? What's your go-to platform?
1: For sharing photos yeah. or shooting photos? For or like, sharing. I mean, unfortunately, it's Instagram. Mm-hmm. I, like, I honestly despise it Like almost mm-hmm. every day, at least a few times a week. I'll say like, I hate that I do this so much. But it's like the streets of the contemporary society are social media. And the, the places where people gather on these streets are like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. There's not very many places where you can connect in a social manner with other human beings. And that's what you need to do as a business in order to Mm -hmm. promote whatever it is that you're doing. You have some kind of message to send out. But yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram. I tried out, what was it? Clubhouse. Okay. I was not into that. No, (laughs) neither. (laughs) It was like doubling down on all the worst stuff. Like, They didn't want to let new people start unless you like really listen to all the stuff that is there. But then all the stuff that is there is so reductive that it's like, well, why am I going to take my time and like listen to like 80 hours of this stuff just so then I can maybe start something.
0: Maybe even there's there's everything was so long. It was very it was a big commitment on there. So So you seem like a resourceful and connected guy. What resources outside of the Freed Fellowship has helped you navigate this jump to entrepreneurship? It can be a book, a podcast, a person, social media account, anything.
1: You know, I I think it's probably not like one person. There's people that I could name, right? But it wouldn't be like anyone you could really look up because it's Mm -hmm. people who are just like doing the work that they do and they're more behind the scenes. Um, There's a guy named Greg Tees. Who has given me a lot of mentorship and support. And for me, like that's been the most important thing is like, uh, individuals who can really understand my background and where I come from and the difficulties that I face. You know, if I'm going to go into a room and I'm being measured against people who've had a job at Google in terms of like, why am I a good person to start a company? Why am I worth putting money into? Why should I get this contract? Why can you trust me to get this job done? Right. Like I'll never have what those people have. I don't come from where they come from. Like my resume doesn't show anything that their resume shows. Mm -hmm. But if responsibility is determined in terms of what is normal for these people, but things I've never experienced, then I'm hopeless. You know, Mm -hmm. and it takes then like people like that to guide me and help me say like, well, no, you are capable. Like, just try this, do that, Mm -hmm. try this, do that, you know? So just having...
0: Amazing to have a close mentor. Yeah. Good for you. And one of the scary questions... Where do you see yourself and your business five years from now?
1: You know, I think in five years we'll be at a place where uh, we're not living in Los Angeles; we're living in just a smaller town where we have less financial responsibilities and the demands on our business are not as great. But we're still have a business that's rooted here, so it allows us to like work hard but not work as much and um, help a lot of people in terms of pro skateboarders who are struggling to make money or young disenfranchised people who are struggling to find a way in society or communities that need a way to provide a productive outlook for young people or old people or anyone who wants to ride a skateboard. Like, you know, I think that what we're aiming to do is create something that's kind of like organized sports, except that the sport in this case is really just art that's difficult enough to be misunderstood as a sport. So Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, if there was a national skateboard league, it's not about going to skateboard contests, right? It's like, it's about being able to get lessons with a pro skateboarder to help you one-on-one because skateboarding is more about doing than than watching, right? Like Exactly. Because as much as you do watch everyone else and appreciate them and support them for what they do, your ability to do that is rooted in doing the skateboarding. So mm-hmm. I think we just have this different vision of... uh what it looks like when a culture, a sport, let's say, which skateboarding, I don't think is a sport, but it's easiest to describe it. Mm -hmm. When all of the aspects get monetized or like commodified, what does that look like? And we despise capitalism, but we recognize it as a tool that can be implemented in in different ways. So I think we're just trying to envision ways to continue to grow the business at a pace that's reasonable with like, the amount of money that comes in and mm-hmm. get as close to like our goal as, as we can.
0: That's amazing. But good for you. I can't wait to see what comes about. And our most important question is what is your superpower? And you can even have a superhero name.
1: Uh, well, my superhero name would for sure be Florida Man. But, okay. <laughs> uh, I have. You know, some people think that like Florida is this blemish on the face of the earth, but uh, I have, I have so much admiration and respect and appreciation for Florida and for people from Florida, because it's, it's not easy. Uh, A lot of other places that I've been are so easy, like Mm -hmm. New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles. And to turn yourself into something there is not the same. So yeah, I'd definitely be called Florida, man. (laughs) My superpower, I... I could smoke more weed than anyone you could imagine. And you would never even know.
0: And that's perfect. That's the first. I'm sure that's the (laughs) only time we're going to hear that on this
1: podcast. So that's perfect. I know.
0: Uh... (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. And one more thing, looking at your website, it looks so fun. Can you explain just a few different things that I can do here? I know I can find like the nearest skate parks. There's a game. Tell me a little about this.
1: So right now, it's just for Los Angeles. So it's really just for finding skate parks and skate shops in LA. It has a link to uh, download our free video game, which is going to release to Android probably middle of next month. Awesome. We have a big update coming. It's going to be a lot more fun and uh, engaging in several ways. And we also... We had for a while the ability to book instructor book lessons with pros there. But we found that it was just like way too resource intensive to make it an on-demand thing at this point. And we're focused more on doing programs with municipalities. So right now, you can see some information about the program we're doing with the Los Angeles Mayor's Office. Oh, wow. They they have... So every summer, they do something called Summer Night Lights through their GRID program, which is Gang Reduction and Youth Development. They'll Uh keep the lights on later at parks and bring out free programming and free food for kids and older people who are really like economically and socially disenfranchised to the point that they're getting into trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a way for us to get involved and bring pro skaters out, give away a bunch of product. And like this last one that we're about to do, we're bringing a, he's not really a pro anymore, but he's like doing a lot of acting and stuff. His name's Fabian Alomar still skates. Legendary dude has contributed a tremendous amount to skateboard culture, but also is like big time former gang member. Mm -hmm. has lived a life that probably like a lot of people who come to skateboarding don't understand, but at the same time, a lot of people who come to skateboarding is very familiar for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the ability to bring someone like Fabian out and involve him along with other pros like Stevie Perez and Kevin White and create these events where, you know, it's always for us, like if the work isn't about like going back into serving the community, right? Like, Mm -hmm. There has to be some way for it can't be like philanthropy later. Can't be like oh go make a bunch of money and then like use some of the money to to like do good. It's like the work itself has to do good for us. And I'm not trying to be like judgy towards anyone else for that. But yeah, I think the website kind of encapsulates like at this point it's still hard to understand. It's it's hard to explain sometimes honestly. Mm -hmm. But but you can find our books, our T-shirts, like all the fun traditional stuff. Yeah, sorry. Totally I know this it. is kind of kind of long winded.
0: No, I love it. It's a fun website. That's why I want everybody to go check it out for sure.
1: Yeah, it's also like to be honest, it's temporary. Like mm-hmm. I'm oh, like I'm putting in a lot of work on trying to figure out this no code website that's gonna like really like take the functionality of what we've been working on and and make it like much more robust. Cause mm-hmm. that website is like, although I like how it looks and I like some of the functionality right. of it, it's really just like 10% of what we needed to do. We used mm-hmm. to have an app in the app store that was the same thing, like for finding state parks, state shops, booking lessons with pros. And we learned a lot from doing that last year. And we're just working on making it better. So Good. I don't know, I like our website right now, but it's
0: also Yeah, I feel like it's like very eighties and get you back. So it's good. Well, Zach, this has been awesome. Thank you for sharing your story. I can't wait to catch up with you in a few months until then, where can our audience find you?
1: Yeah. I mean, skatebud.com and then on Instagram at skatebud, but you got to replace the U with an underscore.
0: Okay, perfect. We'll put those in the show notes. Thank you again, everyone. And we'll see you
1: next week. All right. Thank you, Jackie.
0: Here at the Freed Fellowship, we are building a community of talented individuals ready to make theirs and others' business dreams come true. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time as we interview another fellow team member. And until then, don't forget to free your mind, free your media.